Thank you, guys. All right. Well, we are continuing our series, Interrupt This Broadcast. We have been just having an awareness that there, there's a constant stream of messaging that comes into our lives. And if we don't learn how to pay attention to it. Hey, Ben, while you're going out there, man, could you grab Jordan? Can you hear me? And just have him, have him, there he is, right there. Could you check the temperature in here? I don't know if I bumped it down. And people are fanning themselves. We don't need any extra heat in here. So help us out, man. Thank you. All right, back to what we're doing here. We're, we're, uh, we're just aware that uh, there are things that in, in the culture that we interact with, in the movies that we watch, in the tweets that we read, in the advertisements that, that display on our phone, that there's a, there's a presentation that's being made. And sometimes it's very overt, sometimes it's very explicit, sometimes it's very subtle. But uh, this is a world that's after your heart and after your hope. And often it's, it's taking things that God created, things that are, are intended to be good gifts for us that we're to use and to enjoy, but they're, they're taking good things and making them God things, making them our ultimate hope. And, and so ultimately they're, they're becoming counterfeit saviors. And so we've, we've looked at the self and the messaging about that. We have looked at our stuff and now we're going to consider science. And science, as we'll, as we'll see, is a, is a good thing, but our culture has attempted to treat it like it's everything. And, and you'll just find more and more, I mean, people are posting this. If, if you're on any social media platform, eventually you'll, you'll come across links like this one, right? Uh, there is, apparently, there, there's a scientific reason why you can't eat just one cookie. They call it the bliss point, and there, 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 there's a reaction that happens when it comes to sugary foods, when it comes to salty foods, and so all of Lay's potato chips, you know, their advertising platform has been scientifically confirmed. And so fatty foods, salty foods, and sweet foods, there's, there's a reason why we have a, a response to that, and, and that's helpful information to know. Um, but they go on in that, in that article to kind of base that in evolutionary history and, and blind mutation and what's happened over a process of, of time, not so much a design feature of who we are. But it's, it's, it's in interesting information to, to come across. Um, but what happens is that becomes the only explanation for why human beings do what they do. Why we choose this over that. Why we can't seem to stop reacting and responding in, in this way. And so uh, there's a, a new series that is on Netflix now called Explained. Your World Explained. And they, they, they go through a number of, of topics in, in this series. And they, they just pick up some aspect of why, why does humanity do this? And so one, one of the episodes is is on monogamy, on marriage. Why do, why do two people come into an exclusive relationship for life? And you can kind of see from the graphic that they're, you know, how they're going to go about explaining. They're going to try to find a, a basis and a reasoning in, in science for why do people do this? And is, is that even a good idea? And some of the people that they interview in that episode say, you know, we really weren't 
biologically intended to do this. You know, and so a lot of the trouble that we experience in, in society is, is because this, the, 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 this kind of context and this kind of lifetime relationship, evolution hasn't really primed us to experience this. And so any, any thought that marriage is something that God has actually designed and that it answers to a higher purpose and it answers to a, a higher calling is totally left out of the picture. It's just a matter of science and human history and anthropology as to why these things are the way that they are. Just pick on a couple other examples of this. There's a podcast that I like to listen to. It's called Science Versus. And it's the show that, that pits facts against everything else, hosted by Wendy Zuckerman, and she's an Australian lady, so she's really fun to, to listen to. And, and they just, they love to, to pick up controversial topics and answer that with, okay, what does science have to say about this? What does the latest research provide insight on whatever topic they're exploring? But, but something that's fascinating to me about, uh, about how they approach this is you know they'll they'll introduce their topic and and they'll say when it comes to whatever the hot button issue there are a lot of opinions and then there is science and then the soundtrack behind that makes this sound oh like like you're you're dealing with something sacred like science is going to step in and and save the day and provide the final answer to this question right i don't want you to see that as an entirely bad thing but I want you to pick up on where are you again and again being directed to this, this provides for you the, the, the information that you need for life. What is most sure, what you can be most confident in, what can grant you to have an explanation for human desires and behavior and the struggles that you experience. And in our culture, it directs us toward science and, and away from some other uh, institutions that people would look to. And there, there's this, this storyline, and Mark Sayers describes it in his book, Disappearing Church. He says, the, the mythology of contemporary Western culture tells a story in which humanity is moving away from the superstitions of the past into a more evolved, intelligent future. And so, you know, people used to believe that... Um, Lightning was because Zeus got hacked off and he would throw lightning bolts. But, but, but now we have a scientific explanation for weather patterns and for everything that's in, involved in that. And, and people used to believe in demons and spooky things like that. Uh, but, but, but now we know there's something called epilepsy and th that probably people back in biblical times were just suffering from that and people interpreted that as, as demon possession and on and on and on so that the, the storyline is the more scientific discovery that, that happens, the less and less you and I have need for this or for a God who is active in our lives in a personal way. Some of this you might not be interacting with yet, but part of my, my role, my job as a, as a youth pastor is to help prepare you for the, the days ahead for what you're gonna be facing on a, on a college campus one day, what you're gonna to continue to be bumping up against as you go on a high school campus and, and just in, in the life that is surrounding us. And so we, we, we're being trained to look to science for what's best for society. It becomes the decider for the moral questions that we face. The final authority, I came across this 
tweet from Alyssa Milano. She's the actress from the, the series Insatiable. And uh, I don't know if y'all followed any of these details, but uh, there, there's a, a proposed bill in, in Georgia that would uh, protect the unborn from abortion after the point at which uh, the baby has a, a heartbeat. And there's been a very strong reaction against that from a lot of people in, in Hollywood. And, and Alyssa Milano has kind of headed the way of saying, we're, we're not doing business in Georgia anymore. Georgia, you can say goodbye to the filming industry that's happening there. If you pass this bill, we are boycotting you. We're taking our billions of dollars of revenue away from your state. And when she explains herself, she, she, she posted this. She said, I, I love God. I believe in God. But I don't believe my personal but, but I don't believe my personal beliefs on which we can't confirm should override scientific facts and what we can confirm. Right, so, so notice the assumption that's in that. Who God is, what he has to say about any of that, that's kind of just your own little personal belief that nobody can really know about that. That's uncertain, that's tentative. But science tells us something that we can confirm. Now, now, science actually tells us that human life begins at conception. So I'm not sure what she means by scientific facts and what we, we can confirm in this. Um, but describing certain things as being anti-science has kind of become a, a code word for whatever we, we don't like <laughs> today, and what, what seems to contradict the, the morals of a, a progressive culture. Um, but but what, what's being expressed here is that if science seems to be in competition with anything else, it's science that wins. It's the final authority. And, and this perspective, there, there's something called scientism. That's what's being expressed here. And this is what's being broadcasted into your world. There's a philosopher named J.P. Moreland, and he writes, as the ideas that constitute scientism have become more pervasive in our culture, the Western world has turned increasingly secular, and the power centers of culture, the universities, the media and entertainment industry, the Supreme Court, have come increasingly to regard religion as a private superstition. Scientism says that the hard sciences alone have the intellectual authority to give us knowledge of reality. According to the philosopher of science, Tom Sorrell, scientism is the belief that science, especially natural science, is the most valuable part of human learning because it is the most authoritative or serious or beneficial. In other words, when you have competing knowledge claims from different sources, the scientific will always trump the non-scientific. In scientism, therefore, science is the very standard of truth and rationality. And so, you know, we, we might not be there, but we can live our own functional version of this. Because just, just think for a moment. When, when life confuses you, when, when, when you're wanting an explanation for what you're facing, where do you turn? When you have pressing questions, where do you go with that? Where, where do you bring them? Because our, our culture is constantly teaching us that it's, it's the Wikipedia page. It's the BuzzFeed article that we should look to 
for doing life. And, you know, I, I'm cheating a little bit in our, our topic tonight. I, 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 I've titled this science because I wanted each one of these to start with an S. Um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of drawing more broadly than that because science comes from the Latin scientia. And it, it just means knowledge. It's, it's an attempt at, know, at knowing the way that things are. And we're going to see in a moment that we were made to do this. We were created to discover reality and to gain knowledge. But where we look for knowledge, where we look for help for the conditions of life, says a lot about ultimately where we're looking for hope. And so we're going we're to turn back to the book of Genesis one more time, because as we navigate the storylines our culture presents, we, we need this story. This is our origin story right here. So if you would open up with me to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And then down in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So we, we were brought all the way back to the beginning here, and, and the beginning, it, it finds its origin in, in the one who has no beginning, in the beginning God. Uh, there was just God, a, a God who was perfectly content, who, who didn't need any friends. He wasn't lonely. He didn't have self-esteem issues. In fact, there's, there's hints of this even in this passage that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the, the perfect fellowship of the Trinity. Uh, you could not get better relationships than that. And so the reason why you and I arrive on the scene is not because God was lonely and wanted somebody to talk to. Uh, he had all the friends that he would ever need, and yet he was filled to the brim and spilling over. And out of his generosity, he creates. He wants to share who he is with other. And so he, he creates what isn't God. And he does that by his spoken word. And, and follow this. You know, I, I could say, everybody stand up, and then you would hear instruction, and then you would stand, or I could say, sit back down, and you would hear that word, and then you would process it and then you would respond and follow that instructions and then, and then you would sit back down. That's not what's happening here. It's not just that, that God issues out commands 
and something that exists responds to that. There's nothing that exists beyond God from eternity past. And so him saying the word, it's not like audio waves travel and then something happens. The speech is, is light. The speech is earth. It is creation as he makes it by thinking, by willing it to be. And you and I are here today because moment by moment, that's how God wants it. Listen, if, if you and I were not on his mind right now, we would not be. That, that, that's how personally he's involved in the world that he has made. And so we're, we're given an explanation for existence right here. And, and, and it's telling us that th th this, is, this is the base explanation. And so you could, you could look at this podium, you could put it under a microscope and you could find things. You could uh, assess its chemical qualities, you could assess its physical properties, you could zoom really far in if there was some way to, to, to know its atomic structure and uh, you know, what's underneath that and when the quarks and you know, uh, layers of, of existence that we, our human eyes could never tell. But, but what's underneath all of that? Once you've reached the limits of what you can physically describe, you have words. You have God's speech making this be. And he creates a world that is good, that is declaring his glory, that is orderly and that's designed and, and that is made with intention and purpose. And by the way, that, that design is, is something that we can detect in the natural world. Um, the, the universe is finely tuned in such a way that, that supports the existence of life that if, if you were to alter the, the constants and the quantities of the universe, you would not only have no life, you would have no stars, you would have no planets, you would have no matter. None of that would be sustainable. And, and, and for that to take place by, by chance, the, the, the sweet spot, the window of opportunity, is, is, this, is the, this is how I've heard the probability described for that. Uh, imagine, half of the audience won't know what this is, a radio dial, right? You think, think of a big knob that you used to have to tune into a radio station in order to find, yeah, I, I still do this because I use Bluetooth transmitter for my, uh, my phone to my car, right? So you, you tune in, um, that, that used to not be digital, so you'd have to kind of line it up just right. Uh, imagine a radio dial that's the size of the entire known universe. And you have to turn that thing, and you have to tune it to within three quarters of an inch. That's, that's the span that you have to nail it. Otherwise, you and I are not here. That's the order of existence that God has made. And, and, and he, as he speaks things into existence, he sets boundaries. Remember, he, he divides the land and the sea. He gives everything its proper place. He, he names it. He interprets the creation that he has made. He's the one that tells us its 
purpose. And then he creates humanity in his image. We're, we're, we're made with, with dignity. Our, our, our existence is, is not a random accident of biology, uh, which, which is why every life is sacred. That's why racism is wrong. Because every person bears God's image. Every, every person has been made with dignity and made to reflect God. That's why abortion is wrong. Because even the unborn bear God's image from the womb. It says that we were made male and female. And so that, that's, that's not just an accident. That's not merely something that has happened biologically. It is that but it's also God's intended design. And, and, and we're created with, with capacity to know God and to be in relationship with him. We're, we're, we're given a mind. We're given language. We're given moral instincts. We're, we're, we're given everything that's required to, to know him and respond to him and relate with one another. Uh, God didn't just want mindless followers. He's not just, yeah, I just want stupid people, you know? Just don't, don't ever learn anything. Just close your textbooks, you know? That, that's not what we were made for. We, we were created for knowledge. We, we were given a, a, a commission to, to subdue the earth, right? That, that requires learning some things. That requires skill. That, that requires activity in this world. That requires creativity, God intends humanity to, to understand life and to do that while in fellowship with him. We were made for knowledge, to know God in the world that he's made. There, there's a longing inside of us to know and to understand. I mean, think about it. Why, why do we even care about science? Why is that even something that we explore and that we investigate. You know, you don't see a lot of orangutans doing scientific experiments. You don't come across tarantulas contemplating the origin of the universe. It's because we, we were made in God's image. And we were also uh, given a place that would allow scientific discovery to be possible. It's a very interesting documentary if you want to find it on Amazon Prime at some point, if you got that, uh, called The Privileged Privilege Planet. And it, it describes how Earth is not only created in such a way that it can sustain life, but that it's, it's uniquely privileged for scientific discovery. We've got front row seats to the universe, and, and we've got a place in the solar system that allows us to look out on the cosmos and, and make discoveries and come to conclusions. And so science, the pursuit of knowledge of God's creation is a good thing. It is something that we should endeavor to pursue. In fact, since every fact of our existence is a revelation of God, we, we can find God in, in anything that we study. Everything is screaming about him. History is the record of God's work in the world throughout the ages. Math represents the order of God's nature reflected in the pattern of what he's made. Literature is an attempt to understand the, the story of human experience and, and, and learning it will help you read your Bible 
better. And so I hope you don't find those things boring. I hope you don't check out of that. I mean, if, if you want to find some spiritual excuse for being lazy in school, it's like, well, that's not stuff's not the Bible, you know? Uh, all of that is, is testifying to God's glory and is, is worth the pursuit. Now, you know, what do we do when we read this and we explore in any of those categories, science or the rest, and it seems like our reading of that and our, our reading of God's word don't seem to line up. Well, what do you do? Well, one of the things that, that we're taught in Genesis is that uh, not only is this God's book, but nature is God's book as well. It's a revelation of who he is. And so we, we know that there will not ever be any genuine contradiction between this when it's read correctly and science when it's interpreted correctly. Now, how do you work that out in, in detail? I'm not going to do tonight. Uh, we did do a, a, a series in retrospect uh, last year where we took like seven weeks to explore some of those questions and a handful of you guys were there and if you weren't sorry you just got to come to Sunday retrospect uh, to, to get that but uh, let's skip over to chapter 2 of Genesis where we come across creation of humanity and, and, and chapter 1 of Genesis kind of gives you the overview and chapter 2 zooms in and slows down and gives us a sense of purpose in our existence. And in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. And, and Genesis is very intentional in, in describing humanity's creation in this two-step process. We are a living soul. We have a physical body and we have a soul. Our bodies matter. And so you, you need to take care of your body. Uh, you can start by making sure you're getting enough sleep at night. You need to watch what you eat. And so on, on, on one level, you come across some article that says, hey, your brain reacts to sugar in this way and so you might want to pay attention to that. You do need to pay attention to that because we're not just little souls floating around like Casper the Friendly Ghost. We, we have a body and it matters and we need to exercise and that's part of, of who we are and that, and that influences our mood. That influences your ability to pay attention right now when I'm talking about really nosebleedy stuff, right? How you've taken care of your body, have you gotten enough rest, all of that influences your behavior, your desires, your actions. But that's not all that you are. Your body matters and you have a soul. There's a spiritual order to your existence. And, and so not every fact about us is something that is within the purview of science to speak to. Uh, science can tell you a lot about your body, but it, it, it tells you little about your soul. Uh, science can tell me what goes on inside of my brain when I see my wife. And I bet a lot goes on inside of there. But it, it, it can't tell me the meaning of love. 
it doesn't speak to the motivations of the heart. I love this event that happens, and if you've read through any of the Chronicles of Narnia in C.S. Lewis's book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and, and the character Eustace comes across this other character. His name is Ramandu, and he's this, this retired star. And so he's a creature who was a star in the sky, and now he's entered into retirement, and he's speaking with him. And, and Eustace says, in our world, a star is a huge ball of flaming gas. And then Ramandu replies, even in your world, my son, that is not what a star is but only what it is made of. And this is really insightful here. What, what, what Lewis is making, the point he's making right here is that just knowing the chemical properties of something doesn't tell you what it is. It doesn't tell you what it's there for, right? Here's a case in point for that. Um, eight years ago, yesterday, these two college punks got married and so we, we just made our, our eighth anniversary. And, and if I were going to ask, you know, what, what is this? Yeah, thank you. Please applaud Rebecca because she survived this long. Um, you know, what am, I, what am I dealing with here? Well, on one, on one sense, I could answer that by saying that's iron sulfate and gallic and tannic acids on top of cellulose. Ink on paper. Um, but I've only, I've only told you one slice of all that this means of the reality that this represents. And all the scientific analysis on your body, it cannot tell you why you are here and what you were made for. And so I'm just trying to present this as a category to, to say, look out for what's called reductionism. All right, what, what does that mean? Reductionism is, is anything that reduces who you are as a person to just your genes or just your brain or just some proposed evolutionary history, just the physical order of your existence, just your neurons firing. If, if, if that's all that it speaks to and it treats you like you're a physical creature and nothing more, it hasn't talked about the most meaningful aspects of what it means to be you. And, and, and so I'm just saying be, be skeptical of explanations that give you that and nothing more because ultimately they're inhumane. They're, they're not treating human beings for what they really are, living souls made in God's image. Right, so we see here, we, we were created for knowledge, to know God, to know God's world, and to know these things in fellowship and in communion with him underneath his interpretation for why things are the way that they are. Um, but that's not all that happens in the realm of knowledge. And the scene shifts soon in chapter 3 of Genesis. We're going to return here. Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it 
lest you die. And we teased out a few weeks back, you know, the, her problematic way of representing what God actually said. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and listen, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so uh, up until that point, there's only been God's voice in the story, God's speech, making things what they are, giving them their place and their boundaries, explaining their purpose, and another voice, another interpretation enters the garden here, and, and, and an offer is made. I remember the, the name of this tree, what was it called? Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. And, and what's on offer is getting knowledge for yourself, independent of needing God of needing him to reveal these things to you in his timing and in his ways. Derek Kidner writes, as the tree stood prohibited, it presented the alternative to discipleship, to be self-made. We were talking about the idol of self. Resting one's knowledge, satisfaction, and values from the created world in defiance of the creator and it offered this strange power to it right it's able to make you wise there was something attractive about that to eve some sense of being in control over your life having influence being impressive gaining attention you know from from early on uh we want to be somebody who's in the know. We, we, don't, we don't like to, to realize that there's information out there that, you know, is excluded from us. And so kids, you know, they're always running up trying to figure out what you're talking about. And so, you know, it's, it, I'm sympathetic to my, to my children because I know how frustrating this was when it's like, no, the adults are talking right now. I mean, sometimes they just need to be put in their place and told that. But you know what it's like. You, 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 you hate it when, to be told that it's something that you, you don't yet understand that you don't have the maturity yet to process and to deal with. Ever since Genesis 3, we, we have resisted that because we, we, we want to be self-made. We, we want knowledge that originates in us and that we are in control over and that gains us access what feels like it's been placed off limits in life. And, and this is why we need to be discerning. Even when, when people in the culture around us throw around things that, that seem like they're just representing facts or just representing research or just representing what someone has, 
has discovered because that's all happening be be between two human ears inside of a human brain. Somebody who is influenced by Genesis 3 and interpreted by people who are also influenced by Genesis 3 with their own perspectives and their own agendas. And so that, that's why we need discernment. But, but, but ever since this moment, knowledge has become contested territory. There, there, there's been a war for knowledge that has existed ever since the fall. And we know the, the chaos that resulted from this. Ab abandoning the, the peace of being known perfectly by God and being led by him into what he intended for us to know. And it's not, again, that God was trying to just withhold um, information that we needed. God, God was leading his people into everything that he intended to, to, to be for their joy, for them to know. But we, we have been striving and we have had cravings and this endless search for more understanding ever since the desire to control our world through knowledge and the opportunity to do that exists in a way that is unprecedented now that we're in this information age and and now that we can plug into it any moment that we want all right so let me let me take it, I know, I know I've, I've lived in the world of philosophy and of science for most of our time today. Let me, let me just bring you into a place that's, that's uh, real and, and relevant for us right here. Um, why do you check your phone so often? Why do you find if it's a, if it's a moment of boredom or, or maybe even there are people around you I was making fun of the uh, youth who were at Youth Alpha last night because we were sitting around a table and three quarters of them, you know, it's like you have, a, you have a, a living, breathing person in front of you and they pulled out their phone and they escaped to that. Right? What, what's, the, what's the interest there? What's, what's the draw? What's on offer through that device? Knowledge some kind of knowledge that you think is going to provide something for you. Maybe it's going to provide escape for, for a little bit from what feels like it's an uncomfortable situation or what f isn't really holding your interest right now. And so let me entertain myself with something else. But, but we go there because it, it provides access to thoughts and to ideas and, and to... And to into a news feed in, in whatever area we want to become a specialist in. And so if you're into gaming, you know, you want to be watching, you know, you're subscribing to the YouTube channel of the, the guys who are specialists in, in gaming, right? That, that gives you knowledge of that. That gives you power in the category that uh, matters to you. You like to follow celebrity culture, you know, you, you have that come streaming in. Maybe you just like the distraction of weird viral stuff and, and you know, that internet is, is rife with, with that. Um, you want to know what your friends are doing, you know? What are you, what are you included in right now? What are you possibly missing out on? What, you know, somebody somewhere else in the universe help me, tell me something because what I have available to me right now is not enough. And I am unsettled by that. And the opportunity to 
know things and to know that people like you and to know, okay, since the last time I checked, how many more double taps have I gotten? How many more hearts are on the screen affirming my existence and the fact that I matter as a person? I want to be in tune with that. Listen, there is today, in a way that has never existed at this level in the history of humanity, the opportunity to access knowledge. And, and, and in many ways, that's an amazing privilege. Again, all these things, they're, they're good things that they become twisted into wrongly used things. So problem isn't with technology itself. Problem isn't with, hey, smash all of your phones right now. That, that, that's not the issue. But I just want us to, to realize that's, that's going on. I mean, just one edition of... Uh, the New York Times, which I know you guys don't read that, but uh, it has more information in it than somebody would have come across in their lifetime 150 years ago. Do we think we're supposed to handle all that? And so you don't need any um, intermediary to access knowledge. You used to have to at least get a ride to the library and go to some book on a shelf that some publisher had vetted and some authority had said, okay, we'll at least print this and maybe pull off an encyclopedia and open that up and whatever specialist wrote that entry, you have to read his writing and interact with that. And so you, you've got, you got layers. You know, there's, there's your parent who you got to ask for a ride. There's, there's the printing company who had to print the book. There's the library who says, hey, this is a book that's worth keeping around. So all, all of that, they, 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 were the, the, they were standing between you and what you wanted. But, but now, you, you can circumvent all of that. You just ask, ask Siri. You just Google. Tell me what I need to know about this. And whatever you land upon in that moment becomes what's influential in your life. Which means you're, you're exposed to such a variety of ideas and perspectives and, and sometimes without anybody else really knowing what, what you are interacting with. You, and, and, and you get to select the voices that you want to listen to, right? You, you get to, I'm going to follow that, that, and that, because I, like I like their style, I like the way they think, I like their viewpoint, I'm not subscribing to that. And so you, you get to make your own choices about what knowledge is going to matter to you. And, and this becomes a myth that we believe. Right? One of the things we're doing in this series is our habits for life, they, they form underneath the beliefs that we think that we have, they form our real beliefs in our heart. And, and here's how Trevin Wax puts it. He calls it the myth of the smartphone. He says, along with this explosion of knowledge comes the myth told to us by our devices. The phone gives you the knowledge you need most. The phone says, hey, I've got knowledge. Come over and get more book smarts. Become more culturally savvy. Stay tuned in to online conversations. What the phone does not give you is wisdom. That's the kind of skilled living in the world that requires thought, contemplation, 
and soaking in the scriptures, not just scrolling through a timeline. The phone offers knowledge, but it's not the kind of knowledge that we need most. And, and if, if you're taking anything away from this, that, that's what I want you to feel. You were designed to do life according to knowledge. And knowledge is available. You were made to receive it. But you, you were made to do it submitted to God and his wisdom and his ways. Jeremiah 9 says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. But the one who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. So here's my question for you. When life hurts, when it confuses you, or maybe you just have come to a place of being bored with everything around you, and you feel like, I, I need something from outside of me to help. I need something else to put my eyes on that's gonna bring comfort, that's gonna bring peace, that's gonna give me insight as to why do I do this? Why do people act this way? Why do I have these problems? Where do you go next? Because what you do next over time, that pattern reveals what you're looking to, what, what you think your soul needs for life. And the, and the God who made you, the God who created you to be a living soul says, I want you to know some things. First priority, I want you to understand and know me. You, you've, got a, you've got a limited number of thoughts you can think every day. You have a limited attention span and it shrinks all the time. How are you using those thoughts? How many of them are just given to the latest whatever <laughs> that scrolls across a, a screen? How many of them are devoted to, God, I, I wanna I want to understand and know you, and I, I want to know this world, not just on one level, but everything that you have made it to be and explain it to be. Let's stand together, and Ben, if you come back up, man. I just want to pray for us to be the kind of people that trust God with the uncertainties that affect all this. I, I know I've kind of just barely introduced a couple of topics in this discussion, and I hope to be able to tease out some of that in the weeks ahead in this month. But when, when, the, when the chance comes to, let me, let me check Instagram or let me pray. And, and this is for all the parents too, because whether you go to Facebook to find some article that somebody posted, or whether you open up your Bible, we, we all know we have our own habits and issues with this. I wanna pray that we would be able to boast in this first and foremost. All of that may be helpful.
It may need sorting through, it may need discernment. It might be extremely useful for understanding aspects of who we are and life and the world around us. But may we be able to boast that we know God and that we know life through his eyes, through what he has revealed, what he has spoken. We know it in this word and we know it in our soul because we have been near to him. Father, I pray that we, we would trust you. We would trust you with the questions that we face or with what it feels like we're not able to resolve. Lord, we would trust you in moments that hurt or moments that just feel mundane. And God, that the pattern of our lives, Lord, would reflect how we have been created. We have your breath in our existence. Lord, we don't want to spiritually suffocate. We were made to know and respond to you. And God, I pray that we would see all of life through that, Lord, that we, we would be diligent students of the world around us. Lord, I, I pray that we would not be lazy or disengaged. Lord, whatever the, the topic, whatever the subject is, or the things that matter, I pray that we would not withdraw from them, but Lord, we'd open up the textbook, we'd study for the exam, we'd, we'd go about our world tomorrow with eyes that are open wide to the beauty of the creation around us. And in all these things, we would see not just what's visibly there, but the glory of the God that is revealed in every fact of this universe and in our lives. We pray that we would know your goodness. Let's sing together.